Hello, ladies and gentlemen, friends and family. It's Sunny Sharma back with the India Inside podcast. Now, today I want to discuss um, a little bit about who the figure of John Adams is. Um, so instead of doing a topic about India, we're going to do a topic about a figure of American history and politics. And the figure of John Adams is a figure who is very consequential to the American Revolution. John Adams is perhaps one of the most consequential leaders and figures of the American Revolution. He was one of the most active uh, diplomats of the Revolution, as well as someone who was very vocal um, during the debates, um, during the con- the, the uh, constituent assemblies and legislature. Um, so just to start out, um, John Adams famously, along with John Quincy Jr., defended uh, British soldiers charged in the Boston Massacre trials, and he successfully won acquittals for seven of the defendants and reduced sentences of manslaughter for the remaining two. From 1774 to 1777, John Adams served in the Continental Congress. He passionately urged independence for the colonies, and in 1776, the Atlas of Independence was appointed to the committee to draft the Declaration of Independence. His copy of Thomas Jefferson's draft of the Declaration of Independence is the earliest known draft in existence. So appointed by Congress, um, a joint commissioner with Benjamin Franklin and Arthur Lee to France, John Adams sailed from Boston with his son, John Quincy, in February 1778. In the summer of 1779, father and son returned to Massachusetts, where Adams was elected to represent Braintree at the convention to frame a state constitution. Now, this is important. The Constitution of 1780, drafted by John Adams, is the oldest constitution in the world still in effect. 1782 was a banner year for John Adams. He secured recognition of the United States in the Netherlands. He contracted the first of four loans from Amsterdam bankers to provide crucial financial aid for the United States. And he signed a treaty of amity and commerce with the Netherlands. In September 1783, after nearly a year of negotiation, Adams and his fellow commissioners signed the Definitive Peace Treaty with Great Britain. From 1785 to 1788, John Adams served as the first American minister to the Court of St. James in London. After eight years abroad in France, the Netherlands, and Great Britain, where Abigail had joined him in 1784, John Adams returned to the United States. So service abroad was quickly followed by elective office at home. He served eight years as vice president under George Washington, and in 1796, he became president. The successful transfer of power was made on March 4, 1797. Adams' presidency was fraught with difficulties still. The quasi-war with France, the XYZ affair, and the Alien and Sedition Acts of 1798. Um, American political parties were just taking shape, but Adams was not a party man, and I think this legacy of him not being a person of partisanship was very important. He maintained the same cabinet officers appointed by his predecessors, and they continued to look to Washington and Federalist Party leaders Alexander Alexander Hamilton for direction instead of Adams compounding his problems. Adams defied his cabinet and much of the Federalist Party to conclude peace with France. Towards the end of Adams' presidency, the seat of government was transferred to Washington, D.C., and he and Abigail became the first presidential couple to live in the executive mansion, later called the White House. He died on the 50th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence on July 4, 1826. Now to talk a little bit of how John Adams was an architect of American government. As I said before, John Adams was the most consequential leader and figure when it came to the success and objectives of the American Revolution. 
The American Revolution required success on two fronts. The 13 colonies pledged to achieve both separation from Great Britain and the establishment of a nation based on self-government. John Adams was pivotal to the success of both goals. In April of 1776, Adams' extraordinary influential pamphlet, Thoughts on Government, was published. He set forth a new framework for government, one that included three separate branches, an executive, a bicameral, two-house legislature, and an independent judiciary. In May 1776, two months before the Second Continental Congress adopted the Declaration of Independence, Adams spearheaded passage of a resolution requesting each of the 13 United Colonies to adopt its new form of government. Massachusetts adopted its new constitution in 1780, although national independence was not yet won. This is important. The Constitution, primarily drafted by John Adams, contains a written Declaration Bill of Rights and a frame of government modeled after the one articulated in Thoughts on Government. The Massachusetts Constitution of 1780 was a primary model for the United States Constitution and the many other s subsequent national constitutions that have relied on American government as a model. A president of the Historical Association, Andrew McClellan, once described the Massachusetts Constitution as the single fact or enterprise that most nearly than any other single thing embraced the significance of the American Revolution. So the Constitution, which John Adams wrote, the Massachusetts Constitution, became the framework for the National Constitution. This is very important. The Massachusetts Constitution remains in effect today. It is the oldest still-functioning written constitution in the world and a fitting tribute to the genius of John Adams. By 1770, he was an influential lawyer. That year, with great moral courage, as I said before, he agreed to defend the unpopular British soldiers charged with the murder following the Boston Massacre. Adams was a Massachusetts delegate to both the First and Second Continental Congress. He was a leading proponent of independence from Great Britain and served on the five-man committee which Thomas Jefferson assigned to draft the Declaration of Independence. In 1778, the Continental Congress appointed Adams a commissioner to France to conclude a vital treaty of alliance. Adams spent much of the years 1780 to 1789 abroad. He helped to conclude the post-war peace treaty with Great Britain, was a diplomat to Holland and France, and served as the first United States ambassador to Great Britain. Adams died on, died, um, on the same day that Jeff Jefferson did, July 4, 1826, the 50th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. The day following the Boston Massacre, a Loyalist merchant came to Adams' law office and asked that he defend Captain Preston and the soldiers against charges of murder. Although committed to freedom from British tyranny, Adams agreed. He believed that every person accused of a crime should have counsel and a fair trial. Um, to succeed, Adams would have to persuade the jurors that Paul Revere's print was political propaganda and that an out-of-control mob provoked the soldiers to fire in self-defense. He concluded with these words during the, during the trial. Uh, quote, facts are stubborn things, and whatever may be our wishes or, or our inclinations or the dictates of our passion, they cannot alter the state of facts and evidence. The law commands that which is good and punishes evil in all, whether rich or poor, high or low. On the one hand, the law is inexorable to the cries and lamentations of the prisoners. On the other, it is deaf. Deaf is an adder to the clamors of the populace. Adams' experience in this case would guide him as he developed and articulated his philosophy of a government based on the rule of law rather than the rule of individuals. This case also reinforced his belief that the judicial branch of government should be independent and not controlled by the passions of the day. Years later, Adams described his role in defending the British soldiers charged with murder as one of the most gallant, generous, manly, and disinterested actions of my whole life and one of the best pieces of service I ever rendered to my country. 
And this is important because even though he was a proponent of the American Revolution and independence from Great Britain, he still supported the British soldiers um, because he believed in the rule of law. The members of the Continental Congress meeting in Philadelphia considered Delegate John Adams their greatest scholar of forms of government. During the late 1775 and early 1776, several delegates solicited Adams' views on the best plan of government for free and independent states should the colonies declare independence. Adams recorded his thoughts in the letters, specifically a pamphlet titled Thoughts on Government. Now to his ideas about the three independent branches. Adams' primary assertion um, throughout his entire life was that a good government is a government of laws. Adams believed in three independent branches, and he formulated this theory in that first, an executive governor who would have a negative upon the legislative, that is a veto power. Secondly, a bicameral two-house legislature, as a unicameral one-house legislature, is liable to all the vices, follies, and frailties of an individual. And thirdly, an independent judiciary. In, in Adams' words, the dignity and stability of government in all its branches, the morals of the people, and every blessings of society depend so much upon an upright and skillful administration of justice that the judicial power ought to be distinct from both the legislative and executive and independent upon both, so that it may check upon both as both should check upon that. The judges, therefore, should always be men of learning and experience in the laws of exemplary morals, great patience, calmness, coolness, and attention. Their minds should not be distracted with drawing interest. They should not be dependent upon any man or body of men. To these ends, they should hold estates for life in their offices, or in other words, their commission should be during good behavior and their salaries ascertained and established by law. In other words, judges should be nonpartisan, wise, and independent. Thoughts on government provided a blueprint for numerous state constitutions, including those in Massachusetts, New York, North Carolina, and Virginia. Now, a slight aside to his his spouse, Abigail Adams. Abigail Adams, in a letter famously penned to John Adams, because John Adams and Abigail Adams were in correspondence with each other throughout most of their life, um, Abigail Adams said to remember the ladies, quote, she says, I long to hear that you have declared an independency and by way in the new code of laws, which I suppose it would be necessary for you to, to make I desire you would remember the ladies. If particular care and attention is not paid to the ladies, we are determined to foment a, rebe a rebellion and will not hold ourselves bound by any laws in which we have no voice or representation. So in many ways, Abigail was quite progressive for her viewpoints and so was John Adams. Um, in that they saw that the you know the Constitution and Bill of Rights should apply to all people, especially women, and not just men. Citizens of these towns believed that the legislature was not a suitable body to create a new government. They asserted that a special convention consisting of delegates elected by the people must draft a constitution and submit it to the voters for approval. Why? Because these Massachusetts citizens believed that only the people could create a legitimate government. The House of Representatives ignored the call for a special constitu constitutional convention and wrote a constitution. The House did agree, however, to promote its proposed constitution of 1778 to the voters for acceptance or rejection. Following consideration in town meetings across the state, the constitution of 1778 was soundly rejected by a nearly 5 to 1 margin. Now, so basically from everything I've told you, John Adams was... If, if you know about the Founding Fathers of America, George Washington was a leader of the movement. Thomas Jefferson was known as the most sophisticated. Benjamin Franklin was seen as the wisest. Um, and in many cases, John Adams, along with James Madison, were seen as the two most read Founding Fathers. And I, now I want to share five quotes by John Adams, which show just how 
sharp and eclectic his mind was. He was really one of the most brilliant thinkers of the revolutionary movement time. And just and these five quotes are going to illustrate why that is. And after I read these five quotes, I encourage my viewers to really read upon all the other quotes that John Adams made because they are very they are very um, instrumentative in showing an eclectic mind, similar to um, characters of Indian independence such as Baba Sub and Baker. So, first quote by John Adams. One, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Two, I, um, this is a quote from, from the series John Adams, if you've seen the show. I must study politics and war that my sons may have liberty to study mathematics and philosophy. Um, so based upon this quote, you see that John Adams knew about the legacy of, of uh, conflict in society and knew that um, in order for his children to have a better future, he must fight for them in the present. Number three, because power corrupts, society demands for moral authority and character increase as the importance of position increases. Um, so this is interesting because in a previous podcast, I talk about the moral authority of Nelson Mandela. Um uh, John Adams here shows that you know there has to there has to be a moral authority for in order in order for certain times of uh, crises and turmoil in society there has to be a certain amount of moral authority in order to pass laws um, as as John Adams says rule of law has to be the basis of society. Number four, liberty cannot be preserved without general knowledge among the people. So here, Adams knows that the people have to be educated, and, and there, there can't be too much propaganda in a society. Otherwise, the people will not be able to govern properly and, to, and really to advance society and put forth social reforms to make society better. And my last quote, number five, let us tenderly and kindly cherish, therefore, the means of knowledge. Let us dare to read, think, speak, and write. So in here, Adams shows that we must have the courage to question um, question things in our society, question uh, the laws being made, question question the books and the literature, because only a society that really dares to speak their mind and to and to write and to to really protest and during times of turmoil and to to um, articulate itself properly that those societies are the only ones that can really uh, stand the test of times and pre preserve themselves. So I thank you for listening to this fi this 15-minute uh, podcast on John Adams, and I encourage you to watch the John Adams series and to look at more quotes and to read upon what John Adams really said in the spirit, because John Adams was one of those members of the revolutionary movement who really uh, was one of many men who really uh, was representative of the spirit of the revolution. Um, for and even to this day, is someone we should look up to to understand how we can better uh, f make our society function through the rule of law. Okay, thank you. Bye.